You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Wonderful to see you. Prayers of sincerity to our God. If you would open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, that would be such an encouragement. Listen, whether you're here, whether you're watching online at home right now, let's honor the Lord by honoring his word. Let's have a copy open in front of us physically and let's have our hearts open spiritually to what we're about to do because this is such um, a big deal. Our sermon title this weekend is this, Health Warning. It's a health warning. That phrase will get your attention these days because it seems like the only thing we're talking about these days are health warnings. Fair? Seems like that to me. It's so interesting to me that in our text today, a concept of health is brought up several times again in our passage. Even gangrene is mentioned. But it's brought up in the context of spiritual health, which of course is the most important health. Why? Because strong spiritual health leads to eternal health. Uh, Yes, please. So the timing of our text today is very encouraging. Again, with all the attention on physical health. Listen, church. Listen very carefully. Listen, everyone on, in Overflow right now, online. With all the attention on physical health, which has never been more, we cannot let it distract from our spiritual health. Spiritual health, so utterly critical, again, for obvious reasons. I mean, just think right now in our society. Think of the mass amounts of signage pertaining to physical health. Like they're everywhere. I get it. I, I get it. I understand. Even in our church building right now, there are physical signs pertaining to physical health everywhere. I get it. I get it. And yet today in God's word, we're going to see spiritual signs and spiritual warnings of health put there by the Holy Spirit in front of us that lead to the greatest result or least protection and provision of God that we can know. And so what a, what a joy it is, again, to pay close attention to today's text in powerful spiritual health wisdom and health warning. A health warning brought to you by the Holy Spirit, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Teach us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Amen. Verse 14. Remind them of these things. And charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. That's a warning of health right there. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's a good sign of health right there too, and a warning to make sure. Verse 16, but avoid irreverent babble. Why? For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. That's a warning. And their talk will spread like gangrene. That's a serious health warning right there. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. That's a warning of spiritual proportions. And then verse 19, but God's firm foundation stands, Timothy Bearing the seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. All right, here's a health warning today from our text. There's, 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 there's so much here today. It's one of these passages where I'm like, every verse is a sermon. God help me, God help me, okay? There's so much here, and trying to get through it, it's just God's word is awesome. But we're starting here today. Health warning number one is this, church, cease your quarreling. It's bad for you. How's that for simple? 
Cease your quarreling. It does the body bad, okay? It's bad for you. In fact, it's bad for you and everyone else who's listening. Again, verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God or in the presence of God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, that's clear, but only ruins the hearers. Okay, so if you've been tracking with us in 2 Timothy, going through this epistle, so far, this has been Paul again um, exhorting Timothy personally. Timothy, do this. Timothy, don't do this. Timothy, I remind you of this. But now, all of a sudden, in verse 14, something changes. Can you see it there? All of a sudden, we find ourselves suddenly back in the world of the Ephesian church. So now, again, because this is where Timothy is. Timothy's in Ephesus with the church there. And now Paul's like, again, hey, Timothy, remind them of these things and charge them. Them being, again, the people in the church in Ephesus. We know what follows, that Timothy was up against serious false teaching. Why? Because false teaching is always on the attack against the church. This whole epistle and every chapter deals with false teaching. Really every epistle in the New Testament deals with forms of false teaching because that's what Satan's always trying to do. So, the spiritual health of the church in Ephesus was, um, was under attack. It was being threatened. There was a danger confronting them. And so Paul says to Timothy in verse 14, he says, remind them of these things, pointing back to everything that came before, really in the epistle so far, but particularly chapter two so far. Hey, remind them of these things, Timothy, and now this, charge them before God. Like, that's a very serious statement. Charge them in the presence of God. Um, bring such weight. It brings such severity. It brings such seriousness to what's about to be said. And notice, what is the warning, what is the charge that is being given? Here it is. Charge them before God not to quarrel about words. Charge them not to engage in useless battles and arguments that is really about self and not about Christ. Timothy, charge them, charge them, warn them against the destruction that occurs through the, another translation, through the wrangling of words. The destruction that can and will occur as false teaching enters into the church. Now, we should know this and we do know this. One of the great strategies of Satan from the beginning and now, from the very first sin, did God really say? One of the strategies of Satan, again, is to preoccupy people with word splitting. To get them so focused on ideas and words that distract people away from the center of Jesus Christ. He's very clever this way. He takes them off track, distracts them, and ultimately wants to destroy them. The people that Paul's referring to here, charge them not to quarrel about... It, it's, it's the people, you know the people, they're always talking... And if you really listen to what they're saying, they say it's about truth, but really what it is, it's not about truth at all. It's about themselves. They're talking so much, and really it's about self-glory or it's self-deception where they're, they're, they almost sound right. It sounds like it could be what is true. It seems to have a facade, but if you really take it for what it is, it's not about Jesus at all. It's not about the truth of the gospel at all. It's really about self. It's human philosophy. It's worldly. It's deceitful and ultimately takes people away to distract them from Christ and to lead them down a path of self-destruction and total deception. 
That's one of Satan's, again, foremost desires and strategies across this world. So in the Ephesian church here, there was so much noise. But the noise ultimately was about nothing. Kind of like in our day right now, okay? I don't know if you're thinking like me, okay? But I have never thought more about the noise of our culture. I've never thought more about the amount of information that is coming. And honestly, again, I just, I have to be honest. The amount of stuff I hear, read, or again, see, where I'm like, that is utter nonsense. Like, like literally, like, like the word nonsense, it is nonsensical. That makes no sense. That is illogical. Like, there's so many people saying stuff right now, and if you really take what's being said, the one statement they make is in exact contradiction to the next statement they make. And you're like, wait a second. In the human frame of logic, understanding words, and trying to communicate what is truth, those two statements absolutely are false because they oppose one another. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. We're just still doing it. And you're like, what is happening right now? Like, truth is being sacrificed on the altar, again, of tremendous deception. Ultimately, Satan's behind all of this. I mean, this is what's happening here in chapter 2. This is what's happening in our day right now. There's this nonsense. there's There's a quarreling of words everywhere. And it's leading so many people astray. The greatest example of this, I feel right now, again, is the impact of social media. Hey, just just consider in social media the mountains of words being offered. The quarreling, the fighting, the debating, the attacking. Think of all the information being spread. It's just, it's, it's too much to count. I think that's exactly, in many ways, what Paul's getting at as a warning and a charge to Timothy and the church he belongs to. I mean, you should be super careful. The amount of noise, the amount of clutter, the amount of confusion, the amount of information being spewed, which ultimately, when received, takes us away from the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts with distraction, it leads to discouragement, and then if that's not checked, it will lead to destruction of individuals and souls all over the place, dying today by the hundreds of thousands across this world with no hope at all in Jesus Christ. That's why this is such a health warning. And notice the result in verse 14 when it says here, it says, which does no good. I mean, I love when the Bible's clear. He's like, hey, listen, man, you want to avoid the quarreling with words because it does no good. Last time I checked, no good means no good. It does no good. And then look at, look at the text here. Notice the result, what falls next, notice, but only ruins the hearers. So not only the people that are talking, it does no good, but everyone who's listening, it will ruin the hearers. You know that word ruin there, fascinated by this this week, that word ruin in the Greek, it's the Greek word katastrophe. Almost the exact spelling for our English word catastrophe. The people who engage and listen to the quarreling of words, the false teaching, the human philosophy, the worldly demonic systems of thought or lack thereof, they are taking people away from Jesus Christ. They will ruin the person who's saying them. They will lead people into catastrophe for those who are listening and following. I mean, just look, like, just, just look around, again, across our world and just... just and just notice how, how, how much this truth is being fulfilled in so many different ways. What is, the, what is the catastrophe? Catastrophe is people wasting their lives in quarreling of words that are ultimately being deceived unto death. Loved ones, 
And for me, like, this is such an important time to think as clearly as ever. Think, 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 think. Two questions for you right now. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What and who? What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? You have to be able to tell me, like, right now, are they leading you to Jesus or away from Jesus? Is this ultimately good for your heart and strengthening your heart in Christ? Or is it a form of it sounds good, but in the end it's leading me away from authentic relationship, love for Christ, and truth and renewing of mine where I am. This is so important in our day. I can't tell you how many prayers and how my heart is so burdened for each of us, myself and you together in this. Oh, the church needs to be renewed in mind and strengthened and thinking clearly to love Jesus with such sincerity. And again, one of the greatest things that will kill us in this process that will hurt our spiritual health is the quarreling of words, which is so bad for us and the church. God help us. It's no surprise then with health warning number one comes health advice or warning number two, which is this. Handle the word correctly because God is watching. So look at So look at verse 15 now. Instead of quarreling with words, do this. Do your best, Timothy, to present yourself to God as one approved. Again, every verse here is just loaded. Approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Are you surprised verse 15 comes after verse 14? I'm not, because the single greatest medicine that there is against false teaching is the word of God properly and accurately proclaimed. This is why Paul says to Timothy, do your best. See that phrase, do your best? That carries many meanings here. Do your best, Um, work hard. Urgency. There must be an urgency to your ministry, Timothy. And then there must be a passion or a zeal. All of that is contained within the Greek phrase, do your best. Passion, urgency, zeal, work hard, do your best to what? To present yourself to God. Isn't that fascinating? Do your best to present yourself to God again in the result that what? That Timothy, one day you can stand before God approved with no sense of shame or regret. Why? Because you've held to the fidelity of the word of God in its proclamation and you've handled it correctly. So, just as a church right now, I just sometimes we're reading God's word and we see it and we're, we're kind of like, it's so good, but I, I want us to step back and see the forest through the trees right here because verse 15 is so loaded, but just step back for a second, look at the macro of verse 15. I want you to notice the detail and then the big picture of how much God cares about his word. Like I want you to, so notice here, so let's look at some trees and then let's look at the forest, Okay. The trees here, look at, look at, so, so handle the word correctly, but look at the buildup. Buildup is this, do your best. Secondly, present yourself to God. Thirdly, as one approved. Fourthly, as a worker. Fifthly, and not ashamed. Those are all the trees. And now the forest ultimately in the end is rightly handling the word of truth, which brings us back further and say, look at how much God cares about how his word is handled and proclaimed among his church. I mean, now you have a better understanding of why we as a church have Bible in our church name and why we're so passionate and concerned over the handling of God's word. Why? Because God is so passionately concerned about the handling of his word. Hey, church, look here for a second. Look here for a second. This book was written by the Lord. 
and he cares about it so much. And he cares that it is, it is, it is devoured. He cares about that it's taught properly. He cares that his, his children read it and know him in it. Again, I'm just telling you, I, I plead with you, I plead with you, I plead with you. Every man or woman who wants to grow in Jesus Christ, you can't do it apart from this. Like, there's, like there's, there's no way. If you're going to spend your life on any book ever, if you're going to have one book you can have, this is it. This is it. All the other great books that you might have, this is, this is the only book you ultimately need. God wrote a book. And he wants us to read it and love it and handle it correctly and no more importantly than right here in the position that I'm holding or others along with me in the pulpit. Again, it's so important. Handle the word correctly. It's interesting, that ancient term had multiple kind of meanings to bring that out. What does it mean to handle the word correctly? Well, the first one's like, like um, handling a sword correctly. A swordsman who would be able to be able to handle the sword and cut properly and use it as an offensive weapon. Be able to know how to use it. Timothy handled the word correctly just like a, a soldier with his sword. Handle the word correctly as, as, as someone would plow the field. But, excuse me, not plowing the field, going in zigzags over the place, but, but doing it straight. There's, a, there's an organized pattern. There's a systematic uh, uh, assembling of doctrine. There's a, there's, a, there's a clear line of planting seeds for people to understand and grow in. Handle the word like that, Timothy. Handle the word as, as one might dissect and arrange the word. As a priest would dissect and arrange an animal for sacrifice, again, the person who handles the word correctly is to dissect and arrange to be able to present this to the people in the right fashion. They may understand and grow. One of the last meanings, again, for handling it correctly is to allot to each other their portion. The ability to say, this portion, again, for you right now, this is what you need, and this is what you can feed on, and allotting, and again, and organizing, and taking the doctrines, and how they apply, and teaching them, and all that. It's just beautiful to understand, this is what it means to rightly handle the Word of God. I mean, think about how, how much hard work that takes. Think of the urgency and the passion held within Think of the devotion for God and the, and the love for his truth. And again, just, just, just notice how much God cares about his word. Think of this too, how correlated, again, the health of the church is to the handling of God's word. Here are a few more kind of illustrations, metaphors, examples that the Bible talks about the health of the word in his people. Notice how healthy God's word is. The Bible is like water that washes us. There's a, there's a purifying, a cleansing, a cleaning that goes on, a washing through the word of God. The Bible's like a fire that cleanses or purifies us. Again, as, as fire burns away impurities, the Bible is used, again, as a fire to burn away and cleanse and move us to, a, to, to, to righteousness, refiner's fire. The Bible's like medicine to keep us from the sickness of sin. I've stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Look, look, look at all the health. Again, examples being used. The Bible's like milk. It's part of a stable diet. Was it milk that said it, it, it does the body good? Was that the slogan from, our, from my childhood? It, it was, it was. Milk that we nourish, and then, of course, meat as well, solid food, Hebrews chapter 5, that God uses his word that we grow now. We don't stay on milk the whole time, but we have solid food and grow and mature, and as we mature, we discern between good and evil. How healthy 
It is for the diet of God's word again within God's church. Timothy, handle the word correctly. It's so important. The health of the church depends on it. Now think about this, okay? Handle the word correctly that you can stand before God, you can be approved, you don't have to be ashamed. There won't be humiliation, Timothy, for you if you handle it properly. What about those who don't handle it properly? For those who do not handle God's word correctly, they won't be approved. They'll be standing before God and they will feel the utter shame and guilt of the shoddiness of their work. To handle the word correctly, it's like you have a project and you're so proud of, again, and you're so confident in the quality of what you're presenting. It is done right. There's integrity. There's character. You have followed the guidelines. You have done your best. But then someone else, they have something that they've, they've worked on. They've compromised. They've been careless. They've lacked integrity. They don't have character. And they present what they've done. And there's a shoddiness, total shoddiness to what they're presenting. And so many people in our day, at the end, they want the approval of man and society and so at the end of the day, they'll stand before God and they'll have to present their work. There are people who are, who are professing to know Christ and be religious leaders and have other people that are following them. And they are more concerned about the approval of, again of, of current society and man and the favor of people around them. At the end, they will present their work to God and in the utter horror and in the holiness of the glory of God, their work will go up in flames because it is added to nothing. Like that's gonna happen. Right now, there are so many buildings not very far from us that claim to be a form of church and claim to be some kind of religious institution in some form following Christianity. But the reality is you can see their apostasy from the road. They have not handled the word correctly. And that's going to be a very, very, very serious thing again when the time comes. So all, all of us, all of us should feel the weight of these verses here. We should feel the health warnings that the Holy Spirit is giving. And maybe now more than ever, maybe now God help us. God help us in humility and love and grace but in truth. No wonder then for Paul, right, as he's, as he's exhorting, he's near the end of his life, no wonder Paul is so concerned that Timothy understands the doctrine of the word of God and the application for it, right? No wonder then in verses like in 1 Timothy, he says this, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preacher and teaching. Like that, that just makes sense to me now because if preaching and teaching is everything, that the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who handle the word of God and preach and teach it correctly. No wonder he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you in the, verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, we're going to get to that in a few weeks, one of the greatest charges there is, and he says, Timothy, preach the word. No wonder he says this. Because the health of the church is so closely tied to the health of the word of God being proclaimed at the pulpit and then beyond in all the ministries and the people that represent the church as well. You can just like Paul is so concerned about this because again, it will indicate the health of the church so, so significantly because everything else flows from this. Cease quarreling, handle the word correctly. 
Health warning number three is this. Avoid irreverent babble because it will infect you. It can kill you. Verse 16. Timothy, but avoid irreverent babble, again, rooted in all this false teaching, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. They are upsetting the faith of some. So verse 16 continues here on what? It's saying here are the devastating impacts of false teaching within the church. Specifically, irreverent babble. Um, other translations say this. You can look here. Other translations say, but avoid worldly and empty chatter. New American Standard. NIV says, avoid godless chatter. But shun profane and idle babblings. New living. Avoid worthless and foolish talk. Worthless, profane, godless, worldly. You start to get a sense again of the babble that he's referring to. It's the babble that has no ultimate desire to honor God. It's a babble that is rooted in false teachings. It's a babble that is empty. Its discussions in the end are meaningless. Avoid is be alert, watch out for this heresy around you. Irreverent indicates the debates that are being had, which again have no desire of giving God glory. All these people talking. All these people talking. An appearance of godliness denying its power. Empty deceit and philosophies of this world. I love when's the amount of vain discussions right now in our world, the amount of noise from people's mouths, the obsession, the idolatry. I think about this a lot too right now. I think of the amount of people that are giving their entire lives, their identities and their souls to conversations that one day soon will be incinerated by the glory of God. And maybe just to unpack that a little bit further, just again, this is what, sometimes I'm listening to all these conversations that people are giving their entire lives for. Let's just take the um, example of political conversations in our day. The amount of people that are investing their entire lives and their souls, their entire identity to forms of conversations, when, when, I, when, when, when I listen to it, I'm saying in the end, the very thing they're saying, as they are presented under the glory and the holiness and the authority of God, everything they're saying and standing for will end up adding to nothing. There'll be no value whatsoever as they are under the wrath of God. And again, their their whole voice and words is incinerated under the power and the glory and the presence of God Almighty. And that puts fear in me. That puts prayers in me. Say, Lord, would you not allow us ever to be giving ourselves to things in the end that have no worth or value? I'll tell you, loved ones, it's just like it's a time to think, 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 think about what you're thinking about, think about what you're listening to, think about the, the, the health or lack of health and the things that we are surrounded by. God, help us to think. Because notice here, notice the side effects of irreverent Babel in verses 16 to 18. Look at that. I want to put that on the screen so you, so you can see it here. This is just right out of what it says. So irreverent Babel leads to Babel rooted in false teaching away from Christ. It leads to increased ungodliness. That's a problem. It leads to spiritual gangrene. We'll unpack that in, in just a second. 
It leads to people swerving from the truth or leaving it. And ultimately, it leads to people having their faith destroyed or the destruction of people's faith that was never legitimate in the first place. This, this is what, according to 1618, this is what irreverent babble leads to. Man, what are we listening to and who are we listening to? It's interesting, too, that in this very text, there's people mentioned by name here as the warnings of how they're being used falsely. Look at the phrase, I'm spread like gangrene just for a moment. What is gangrene? Gangrene is, um, is literally the mortification of the body. It is a human tissue decay. Gangrene is a horrific condition that quickly spreads and quickly leads to either amputation or death. And this is how the Bible is describing false teaching found in irreverent babble. Wow. I mean, just step back again for a second and say, look at how the Lord is so serious about his word and accuracy. Then Paul said, hey, Timothy, you know Hymenaeus and Philetus, these two? They have left the truth and they have destroyed others, upsetting the faith of some. That can also be translated destroying the faith of some. False teachers being used to lead people astray to destroy the faith of some. It's interesting because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, we learn this. Paul says, I have handed Hymenaeus and Alexander over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme, for they have shipwrecked their faith. Wow. And just the seriousness of all that is handed over to Satan that they may not blaspheme. They have shipwrecked their faith. And in this case, now Hymenaeus is being used to spread gangrene and to destroy other lives. And that's what false teaching does, doesn't it? It's interesting, just this week, a man I knew in the early days of this church and haven't heard about him for a long time. And I heard just this week that potentially he has amassed himself within a cult. He's been led astray, and his life now is being totally destroyed. I don't know the details. This is just what happens. This is what Satan loves. He takes people, he distracts them, discourages them, and then tries to destroy them. And the most common way this happens is by false truth, false teaching, that sounds good initially, leads people away, and in the end, they absolutely fall apart, upsetting or destroying the faith of some. Lord, help us. Help us to see the health warnings here. Be men, women, and children that love your truth and love the grace and love of Jesus Christ and want to have discernment and wisdom. So serious health warnings today. And here's our fourth and final one. It is this. God knows his church. Is he in you? God knows his church. Is he in you? You want to be able to answer that question. I love verse 19. So verse 19, the first part says this. God's firm foundation stands Bearing this seal. See the first word in verse 19, but. So Timothy, gangrene, people swerving from the truth, people's faith being destroyed, but, but Timothy, but God's firm foundation, God's church, God's firm foundation stands. I love that so much. Timothy, the attacks will come. Opposition is real. Satan's ferociously active. And yet, God's firm foundation stands. God's church cannot be moved. Timothy, all the fear and worry of the church, all the concern. Timothy, remember this. Make sure you know this, though. But God's firm foundation stands. Why? Because the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Why? Because Jesus Christ will build his church, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against him. Hey, hey, are you here today? And you belong to Jesus Christ? You have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yeah, somebody say amen to that, you know? And think of, you belong to Jesus Christ. So I, I love what Paul's doing here. The Holy Spirit, again, it's just so awesome. There's serious warnings that are real and legit, right? Like there's serious repercussions for false teaching. But in the end, Timothy, make sure you know this. God's church will stand. His foundation is rock solid. Matthew 7, if you build your life on Jesus Christ, the storms might come, the wind might blow, the false teachings might attack, but in the end, Timothy, the waves and the wind, your house will stand because you're, you're built on Jesus Christ. Hey, Timothy, when your foundation, 1 Corinthians 3, is Jesus Christ, when your foundation is Jesus Christ, be assured of this, there is nothing that's gonna ruin or rock that foundation. He will last forever. There is one foundation that is laid again, that is Jesus Christ the Lord. Hey, Timothy, in Acts chapter four, it speaks of how those who have rejected Again, the original stone has become the cornerstone, which is Christ Jesus, and by his name all are saved, and the only name by which we can be saved. Hey, Timothy, when Jesus Christ is your cornerstone, I like your chances a lot. It will never be moved. Hey, Timothy, understand this again. When cornerstone and foundation and your house is built upon the rock, you belong to his kingdom. And here's what Hebrews 12 says about the kingdom that we belong to. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I just, I really recommend all of us right now, we should just sit on this phrase, like, for probably more than we do. For all that's 2020's brought. Let's just remember this. Let's remember this. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. Feels good just saying it out loud, doesn't it? A kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that cannot be, no matter what happens, no matter viruses or economic or different things happen, it doesn't matter. I belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let me say it a few more times. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's so good. And then notice, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. So gratitude and worship for this. For the kingdom that cannot be shaken because we belong to the cornerstone, the rock that cannot be moved. It's so good. It's so awesome. It's so true. And so here, I'll clap for that. Clap. Hey, clapping. Love clapping. Amen. And then notice verse 19, though. Notice this. And we end here. Notice. His firm foundation stands. So picture Paul's mixing metaphors here. And there's like a building that he's describing. On the building, though, there's a seal. Seal normally were used for letters. But let's just say this building has a seal or a plaque. And, and, and two inscriptions here. And notice on this building or seal... And the, and the statements are, number one, the Lord knows those who are his. Hey, Timothy, so you're up against all this opposition. You're up against all this false teaching. There's spiritual gangrene happening around you. Paul there, when he says the Lord knows who are his, he quoted number 16. He's directly referring to Korah's rebellion from the Old Testament. And if you remember the story of Korah's rebellion, Korah comes against, again, Moses and then, you know, God's chosen people to lead the nation of Israel. And they gather themselves. Okay, let's do a showdown. And I'll just kind of summarize this for you. Let's do a showdown. Korah gathers his people and God shows up and his glory shines. And they just get absolutely obliterated in the presence of all people to see whose are the Lord's. And the fear of God comes down. And the people of God are shaking and quivering. Paul uses that example from the Old Testament to encourage Timothy to say, listen, in light of all that's happening and all the opposition and all the false teachers and all the people attacking, in the end, the Lord knows who are his. 
And in, in the end, Timothy, you will stand and the glory of God will come and every knee will bow, every tongue confess, and all those who are for Jesus will go with him again forever into heaven. All those who are against him, they will be put again subject to eternal separate. The, the Lord knows those who are his. Are you the Lord's? It's just, again, there's so much here today. It's just every phrase just loaded. So this is, okay, the Lord knows those who are his, but here's the question, how do I know if I'm the Lord's? How do I know if I'm the Lord's? Look at the last phrase in verse 19. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So the seal on the foundation, the church, the building of God, has two inscriptions. The first one, the Lord says, I know who's our mind. The second one is, let everyone who claims to know me. Another Old Testament, multiple places of reference. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord Depart from iniquity. There's a health warning. And the health warning is this. One of the surest and greatest signs that you genuinely belong to Jesus Christ and that he knows you is that increasingly in your life, you're starting to look more and more like Jesus Christ. For people who love sin, for people who are growing in sin, for people who are tolerant of sin, that's a very, very dangerous sign that there's no authentic relationship with Jesus Christ, obviously. Because the moment you're truly saved in Jesus Christ, you start to become and look more like Jesus Christ. There's ups and downs. But through a pattern of life, we always say this, sanctification in Christ is like bouncing a yo-yo walking upstairs, right? So yo-yo, but then ultimately the trajectory is like this. You have good days and bad days, but ultimately you're going up. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. There's a desire for holiness, there's a tremendous longing to have Jesus Christ more and more within our lives. God knows his church. Is he in you? My prayer here, my prayer here for our church is that we would have the greatest season of health we've ever known. In the midst of one of the greatest seasons of lack of health our world has ever seen. God, would you make us so spiritually healthy? Please, Lord. Men, women, children together, families, communities, loved ones. Oh God, bring us together as a church. Make us so spiritually healthy. Cease the quarreling, handle the work correctly, avoiding babble, and to love the church of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Yes, Lord. Oh, I pray for spiritual health. I pray for such an awareness. I pray for such a sensitivity. I pray for such a longing for godliness. And love. Oh Lord, work across our church now. Lead us in this song of response designed to exalt Jesus, designed to apply this passage to our lives now. Yes, yeah, so Lord, as we began, we said we need you so much. And now we say again, Lord, lead us to truth. If there's any false teaching, Lord, that's attacking us personally as a church, expose it for what it is. Shine your light. And may our hearts burn for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship Jesus together now.